in today's show, we're looking ahead to Saturday's games in the NBA, how we can stream, how we can win, what we're watching for as well, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball and Substack JoshLloyd48.substack.com. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Okay. We've got eight games on Saturday, a few of those back-to-backs. So we're just going to talk about what we're watching for, what we know about those games, and a nice little streaming plan for Saturday as well as the next five days. The Chunkies. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) First game is the Spurs and the Heat. Injury-wise, we know that Gabe Vincent is out for Miami. We assume that Kyle Lowry will return after resting in the last game, but the Spurs remain a big question mark. Now, I could be I could be really wrong on this. I tried really hard to find information. It has been bandied about that Jakob Pertl's injury is week to week. I literally find no evidence of this. And I know it's written on the Roto World Player News saying Pertl's injury is week to week, and then it was reported. Um, it was written in another article that I saw, but there's no actual link to that report. On the Roto World uh, page, and look, maybe I'm just missing it, and it has been reported, but I can't find any information saying that Jakob Pertl's knee injury is week to week. The only thing I can find is that when he heard it last week, they said it would be around a week, and we're still sort of at around a week. But this is what is confusing about reading it. Like, it's just plopped into that news blurb about Pertl. It just says Pertl is out for Thursday's game and is considered week to week, Right. And it says source NBA injury report, which says nothing of that at all. It doesn't say anything about him being week to week whatsoever. All it says is that he's out on Thursday. So this week to week thing that is written on Roto World, we think it's populated through Yahoo. And I like, I like, I don't know who wrote it, wrote this on Roto World. I like all the Roto World guys. They've all been on my show, but I don't know what that's from. And I can't find any evidence to, to suggest that Pirtle is actually week to week apart from maybe a misinterpretation of the initial injury report, which said he'd be out around a week. So I don't know what that means. Now, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I just cannot find any information to find a single tweet or anything from a reporter that says that Pirtle is actually week to week. He very well might be. That is, that is relatively common for a bone bruise. But I haven't heard anything about it. And I can't find any information. And that is just dropped into that little player blurb willy-nilly with no sourcing or no linking. And I don't know what to make of it. So just throwing that out there before you go and take that as gospel, it might be correct, but I can't verify it anywhere. And if you can verify it, if you can find a report that doesn't link back to that Roto World report, can you please let me know? Like I actually generally want to see it so I can make my own projection adjustments. So at this point for this game, I've got Pirtle and Sohan as both questionable still. Keita Bates-Diop missed the last game. He's questionable, I think. And Devin Vassell missed, but I don't know whether they're going to play or not. It's still 
very much up in the air. And that's why I think having guys like Zach Collins and Goldfinger Charlie Bassey, who was great last game, it's going to be useful. But that's only if we know that Pirtle is out. Now, when we talk about streamers later on, Collins and, and Bassey don't really have that, that value unless Pirtle is out. But if he is, then you've got a nice Saturday-Monday combination for those Spurs guys. Bassey was really good last game. Collins was solid without being great. And I want to watch how they go. I also want to watch Trey Jones, who I think is a sell high. He really cranked it up last game. His shooting was unbelievable. He has improved for sure, and I think he's a solid top 100 player. But I don't think he's a top 40 sort of guy that where he's been rolling the last couple of weeks. For the Heat, what I do want to watch is Bam Adebayo. Bam, 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 bam. Because last game, he took over the offense with Kyle Lowry not there, took the most shots, had the highest 30-plus usage. But he is very prone to going back and taking 11 shots or 12 shots. So the Heat offensive hierarchy is what I want to watch and where Bam fits into that. Can that push him into the top 20? I really doubt it, but that's what I want to see. And then Tyler Hero, who is now apparently like the best rebounding guard in the NBA. Everyone has a hero. True. Zero people shouldn't have a hero. So I don't know where this is coming from, but when your other rebounders are Butler and Martin, somebody has to get him and they're all falling to Hero. And that is really, really boosting his value. So when... We did preseason projections of of Hero. We saw we've seen him in the past in the starting group get lost a little bit, lose some assists, lose some usage. I didn't think he'd be able to buffer that by just becoming an excellent rebounder, but he has, and kudos to him. So that's what we want to watch there with that one. Nets pace is both of these teams on a back to back. Duarte will be out. I don't know about Ben Simmons. He's going to return Friday. It's a back to back, so there's a chance that he sits, but we don't know that. And then Yudawatanabe could return. Miles Turner and Isaiah Jackson are both questionable for the Pacers on Friday. So there's a chance that that they sit either one of those games. So I do want to watch Ben Simmons. I do want to watch Ben Simmons if he plays. I don't know whether he'll play on the back-to-back, but I want to see how he looks, what his minutes look like, and how that impacts a bunch of guys like Curry and Harris. I also want to watch Royce O'Neal, whose production has plummeted because his shooting is dreadful at the moment. It's been bad all season, but it's getting worse and worse. But what I want to see is whether that takes away opportunities for O'Neal. Because shooting slumps, he will get out of. He's not going to be a great shooter. <clears throat> He's never going to be a high usage player. But if poor form and the return of other players lead to a reduction in minutes, that's when we start considering O'Neal a drop. If he's still playing 37 minutes despite shooting 25%, then you have confidence that the percentages will rise while the minutes stay good. But if that starts losing him playing time, Reggie Bullock style, then you get into trouble. But the pace is on watch Benedict Matherin because let's be honest, from a fantasy perspective, he has not been very good. From a real-life perspective, he started out the season really well. Everyone is hyping him up. People are talking about him as the rookie of the year. I don't think he's anywhere close to it. No, that's not true. I don't think he's anywhere close to winning it, but he's as close as you can be to winning it without really having a chance of winning it. I think he's been the second-best rookie, but I also think that his production has been highly overrated, and he's really struggling at the moment. And we know for fantasy that he's just not contributing at a high level. I do think he will improve. But uh, in terms of contributing on an all-around sort of squad, but when will that happen? Like We've seen that. My two recent examples are Jalen Green and Anthony Edwards. They were on really bad teams when that happened. And then it was like February, mid-January, and they turned it around because they were able to start doing a lot of stuff. I'm not sure that the paces are going to be that bad or that Matherin is going to be put into to a position 
where he is just allowed to explore and grow everything because if Turner and Heald and Halliburton and Nempard and Duarte and all those guys are there, I'm not sure that he gets that opportunity because he's not the same level of prospect as those players, I don't believe. So I, I think that, I do think he will improve, but does he have the well-rounded game or even an ability to contribute anything apart from points and good free throw percentage, which has waned a little bit? Is that useful for categories? And if it's not, and it's not at the moment, he's very hard to justify holding. I I don't think, unless you're sitting top two, top three, that you can justify holding Matherin, waiting six to seven weeks for a guy who might become top 100 in that time. That's a big might as well. Also want to watch um, Sticks, Jalen Smith. Stand by your man. Can't get a, can't get a tab on this bike at all. Right, it's dreadful. And then it's, oh, there you go. 15 and 9, two blocks, two threes. That's what we drafted you for. Then it's three and four in 18 minutes on 0 of 6 shooting. And you go, what's this garbage? All right, I can't get a, a tab of where he sits. Is he a must-roster player? I don't even know. Yeah, the, the potential is there. The role is there. But sometimes the role doesn't mean anything when you don't play 20 minutes. So I'd like to get another data point. I don't mind. I think he's probably, I'd lean more towards rostering than not rostering. But one of the more confusing players to me um, all season. Today's episode is brought to you by Masterclass. We're going to get another Jalen Smith Masterclass. I don't believe he's on Masterclass, but there are plenty of other people on Masterclass, instructors that can give you these excellent, excellent classes. You want to learn about cooking? Gordon Ramsay's on there teaching you cooking. Neil Gaiman is on there teaching you the art of storytelling. Chris Voss, the art of negotiation. Esther Perel, relational intelligence. Wow. And that's just four of over 180 classes that they have over at Masterclass with world-class instructors. The thing you always wanted to do is closer than you think. Go and check out. Like I am going to check out this Gordon Ramsay cooking one, and I will get back to you to let you know how good it is. I'm sure it's going to be a cracker. So I highly recommend that you check out Masterclass. Browse through their website. Check all of those options that they have there and all of those instructors who are going to provide great insight to you. And this holiday, you can give the perfect gift of an annual Masterclass membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash locked on today. That's masterclass.com slash locked on. Terms apply. Today's episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. If you get it wrong, it's costly. You've got to be 100% certain you're getting the right people and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You go and create that job, put all the little things that you want in there, the little specificities for your company and what you require. And then you go onto your LinkedIn profile. You add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and that spreads the word that you're hiring. The simple tools like screening questions, they make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rent, rent? No, they rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one, delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdownmba. That's linkedin.com slash lockdownmba to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's go to the Clippers and the Wizards. This is a back-to-back for Washington. Um, Bradley Beal is out. Norman Powell is out. Dylan Wright is out. Rui Hachimura is out. Terrence Mann dealing with a concussion, so we don't know about him. Porzingis and Barton, they're both questionable for Friday's game. Um, I'm going to do this. I'm also going to do this. No, f*** you. Woo! No, he's really sacked that. 
So we don't know if they're going to play on um, Saturday's game. Barton doesn't matter, but Porzingis does. And if Porzingis is out, then we are streaming the absolute crap out of Daniel Gafford. It's going to be huge. We're expecting Kawhi Leonard to return, and what we want to watch is Kawhi Leonard. 28 minutes, 30 minutes in the two games since returning. Yes, one of them was an overtime game. He played an extra, He played 29 in regulation, though. So is this 30 minutes for Kawhi now? Is this what we're getting every night? I, I hope so. It would be cool if it was. I, I, I don't know that it will be, but it would be absolutely fantastic if that is what we're able to get out of Kawhi Leonard, is get those 30 minutes a night. But more importantly, how does he look? Can we get efficiency out of Kawhi? Can he push to top 40 per game? I do think it's possible, but let's see it. I also want to watch Reggie Jackson. Not because I like watching good basketball, because I like watching people miss shots. And that's what Reggie Jackson's a pro at. But more importantly, what I want to see is how the split looks between him and Wall, how he looks playing alongside George and Leonard. And if there is a 1% chance that I'm wrong about him not being a 12-team league guy. I don't think I am, obviously, because we've seen what Reggie Jackson does, but maybe something changes my mind. Pretty doubtful. For the Wizards, the things we really, really want to watch is Denny Avdia, who I think is a real option here with the absence of Beal as a 12-team league guy. And Corey Kispert, if you were looking for points and threes, he is also a solid option. I would prioritize Avdia and Monte Morris over Kispert, but all three of those guys get probably enough of a boost to be 12-team options in Beal's absence. The Thunder and the Cavs is a back-to-back for Cleveland. Rubio and Wade are out, while Kevin Love and Donovan Mitchell are both questionable for the game on Friday. Um... I expect if Love misses, if Love plays Friday, he won't play Saturday. Mitchell, I reckon there's a chance of that as well. And then for the Thunder, we saw Lou Dort and Kenrich Williams miss the last game. Um, Dort dealing with a knee contusion, Williams with a knee sprain. The big absence there is Dort, because with him out, we see guys like the Bronco, Jalen Williams. Broncos country, let's ride. Get a big boost, a bigger boost for Trey Mann. And even old mate Eugene Omaroye, who is impossible to project. Omaroye was out of the rotation for six straight games and then played 24 minutes last game. And he's done that so many different times. What I do want to watch is Jalen Williams. I want to see what his role is. Can he maintain 12-team league value? He hasn't dipped under 25 minutes in six straight games. That is enough for me to, for him to be a 12-team league guy, even though on a night-to-night basis, the production won't necessarily be 12-team worthy every single night. But I think he's got to be held. I also want to watch Shea Gildas-Alexander, not because I don't know that he's good, because I do. But the most important thing I think here for watching Shea is how many bloody free throws he gets. And that is driving a lot of his value. So is he able to keep that up as well as shooting 92% from the line? Because all of those things, like the 10 free throw attempts, the 92%, if that falls to seven attempts and 87, well, that's like a 10 to 15 spot drop probably in rankings. I don't think that there's going to be a wholesale change, but what he's also doing now is completely unprecedented for anything he's done in his career from the free throw line only. Like that is just a staggeringly high number. So we want to watch that and see whether there's continuity. Yeah, continuity in it. For the Cavs, I want to watch Evan Mobley because with Jarrett Allen back, he has struggled a little bit. Is he able to find that rhythm that he was having where he was putting up like top 35 type numbers without Allen? And then let's watch Dracaris Levert. Now, I know that Levert is clearly a 12-team league drop, but but if Mitchell is out, you would stream him in. That is the value of Levert. Mitchell or Garland out, Levert in. Mitchell or Garland play, Levert out. That's not someone you want to hold long-term, but when we got a little bit of a question mark here over Don Mitchell, then we put a little bit of a highlight onto Karis Levert. 
I don't think he's going to do anything in this game to prove me wrong on that assessment of where he lies. But we'll always want to watch that and find out, don't we? The next game we take a look at is the Mavericks. They take on the Chicago Bulls. Back-to-back for Dallas. Um, Lonzo Ball is out. Javante Green is questionable. Javante Green will probably start if he's available, moving Patrick Williams to the bench. For the Mavericks, we want to watch Tim Hardaway Jr., and I get it. Right, I posted a thing talking about how Tim Hardaway was must-add the other day, and a few people put, no, he is not must-add. He's hitting threes, and they're going to drop off, and he's just he doesn't do anything else. And yes, that is all 100% true. Right, All of that is true. But it doesn't change the fact that he's a must-roster player because you have to grab Tim Hardaway early while he's doing this. You run with it. It'll fall off at some point, and you move on. But what is the most important thing is, is he a 28-minute-a-night player? who's on a hot streak? No, he's not. He's getting 33 a night. And even if there are some cold streaks when you're getting those 30 minutes a night, if there is a cold streak there, is he? Actually, maybe I'm lying about the minutes. No, actually, he's been yeah around 30, sorry. But if he's a 28-minute a night guy, right, and then it cools off, the value is not really there. If he's 30, 31, and he has a cold streak, then you can survive it a little bit. So that's what we want to watch. So saying someone's must roster is not me telling you they will continue to provide this same value every game the rest of the season. That's not what it is. It's like, hey, guys, look at this. This guy's fired up. Everything's going in. He's getting tons of opportunity and tons of minutes. Grab him. Ride it. The wheels will fall off. And when they do, then he goes off. You see, you say, see you later. I, th- I think that's basic fantasy um, game, game style, game theory, whatever. The outer guy is hot. You run with it and you drop him later. Rather than like, well, in February, he might not be this good. Like, okay, that's cool. He might not be that good in February. In fact, we're all, we're all expecting that. But you add him now, while there's a little hot streak going, and more importantly, while there's minutes and usage going his way, and that's where the that's where the utility comes in. I also want to Dorian Finney-Smith. I, do I though? I, I guess I do, but man, I get with him, it's the minutes, right? That's what's encouraging. He'll have a big game. And on low volume days, he's always going to be right at the top of the streamer list. You don't want to have anything to do with him on a day where it's a high-volume day. Like He's just not worth holding through that. But you could argue that the fact that he is a guy that you prioritize on low-volume days means that maybe you just hold him on your roster. He's the 13th guy. He sits on your bench on a high-volume, and he plays on a low-volume. And you've just always got him there to play. Because the Mavs seem to have a lot of low-volume days because Luca's a draw, so they play him where they can get more exposure. So I'm coming around a little bit to saying Finney Smith... If we're going to stream him every time there's a low-volume day, then maybe it's just worth holding him. I'm not sure. It's, it's hard to stomach some of the nonsense, though, that he puts out. It is hard. For the Bulls, Patrick Williams. I think he's bad. But will he go to the bench? And does that actually help him with usage? Probably not. I don't think he's anything more than a streamer for this weekend because the Bulls have a back-to-back, the only team with a back-to-back Saturday-Sunday. So there is value in that. But that's it. And then I want to watch the big avocado, Andre Drummond, who... He's basically losing his spot. He's playing like single-digit minutes. Last time was foul trouble. But watching the interplay between Drummond and um, Derek Jones Jr., because I shit you not, there are people who have Andre Drummond on a roster in a 12-team league. I don't know why. He's a double-double, but he just needs big minutes. Maybe they'll play him and Vooch together. Look, a double-double machine. Yeah, that's cool, but he's really bad, and he's just never going to push into those minutes. But there are people who still have him. So it is important to tell you that 
the value of Drummond is dropping precipitously because at the moment he is losing minutes to Derek Jones Jr. But we want to see whether that continues. Otherwise, if he's a 17-minute-a-night play, he is a 14-team league guy. But he just hasn't been anywhere near that level of late. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Football, basketball, soccer, competitive juggling, esports. I don't know if competitive juggling's there. Someone tweeted it at me. This it was like combat juggling. This clip of this sport, man. I, I'm gonna get these guys onto it. Com- combative, combative juggling? I don't know. It was crazy. I don't know if the odds are there for that, but maybe you can find the odds for Baker Mayfield as MVP after his comeback win got the Rams that uh, victory against the Raiders yesterday. The rest of the NFL action is up there as well. The Bills are 10-point favorites against the Jets. The Lions are two-point favorites against the Vikings. What? The Lions are two-point favorites against... Is that right? That doesn't sound right. Anyway, that's what the odds are. And you can check it all out at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's go to the next one. It's the Celtics Warriors. Uh, No back-to-backs here, but we do know that Andy Wiggins is out. Robbie Williams is out. Al Horford missed last game for COVID protocols. We don't know if he's going to play. And Steph and Draymond both missed last game. I highly, highly doubt that Curry and Green missed this game. The reason they missed that Wednesday game was to give them like five days worth of rest between Monday's game and Saturday's. So I think that they'll be ready to go, but Wiggins will not be. For the Celtics, what we do want to watch is Maximum Derek White. Maximum Derek. Now, like so many Celtics players, White is shooting astronomically high percentages. And it's been really bumping his fantasy value. I do not believe that Derek White will be a 12-team league guy long-term. But at the moment, there's enough value there that he's providing relatively regularly. Although last game, 18 minutes and Brogdon played 19. It was a blowout, but they played significantly less than the starters, like nine minutes fewer. So I think it's going to get really rough for White when Horford and Williams are both playing. And I don't think he's going to be a long-term 12-team league player. So if anybody wanted to give me a top 100 player for Derek White in a trade, based on the way that he's ranked on Yahoo, which is like 40th or some nonsense like that, or it was last week, like I would do it absolutely immediately. And I want to see what his role is here. I also want to watch Jalen Brown, because we did feature him on the buy low, sell high. JB, you've done it again. Because he was putting up some crazy, crazy numbers. I think he was top 10 over the last week. He's also top 15 for the season. I'm not really convinced that Jalen Brown's going to be able to keep up that level of play, but maybe he is. Honestly, when you go look at the Celtics, go look at their individual team and have a look at their shooting percentages. Every one of them basically is shooting like a, a crazy person, like six, seven percentage points higher on two, four, five percentage points higher on three than anything they've done in their career. As a general rule, it's pretty insane. And they are absolutely rolling. This is why they're the best offense in the NBA, NBA history, sorry. But it also screams to me, oh, there is going to be some sort of a slowdown. It feels really unlikely that everyone's going to keep up that level of production. For the Warriors, I want to watch John Kaminga, who is playing much better. I don't really think that he's a 12-team league must-roster player at all. But with Wiggins out, there is stream appeal for Kaminga here. Probably more for 14-team leagues, but there is stream appeal. I also want to watch Clay Thompson, who's playing better. He's still not being hyper-efficient, but we're a long way removed from the struggles of the first four weeks of the season for Clay. The next game is the Jazz and the Nuggets. Sexton is out. Maga Porter Jr. is out. This is a back-to-back for Utah. Mike Conley is going to play on Friday, but we don't know whether he'll play the back-to-back on Saturday. So 
that's what we need to watch. Markinen is still questionable for Friday, so his status has got to be up in the air for Saturday. Well, Simone Fontecchio, sorry, ESPN players, I don't think you can add him yet. It's only been, what, five months since he signed? Actually, I'm going to double-check that, because if he's still not available to add, I was going to say it's embarrassing for them, but it's not embarrassing for ESPN, because they don't care. And if they did care, he'd be available to add. I'm just going to go have a look at this now. I know you guys who are playing on ESPN will tell me whether he's available before I rant too much. Oh, no, he is there. Well done, ESPN. Simone Fontecchio. You can't still add Jamal Kane, who's been on a roster for two and a half months, but you can add Simone Fontecchio. There you go. What a kudos that is. Fontecchio was really good last game, but I don't really see much happening here. But what I do want to watch is Walker Kessler. I fully expect that he will go back to the bench if Markinen plays. 15 bench minutes versus 21 bench minutes is a big difference. And 21 bench minutes of Walker Kessler as a 12-team league guy, and I think he should be rostered. I also want to watch Malik Beasley, how he fits in, what his minutes look like, how he's able to take advantage of the fact that Colin Sexton is out. For the Nuggets, the five-minute man, Bones Highland. Last two games have been great after Malone benched him in that game. He's been really, really good. And with Porter out, his shot creation is needed. I think he's a 12-team league guy. But for deeper leagues, I want you to watch Christian Brown who played 20 minutes last game. He's not a super stat accumulator at all, but there is value in a, in him getting those rotation minutes, generating some steals, some points, some threes. That's useful for deeper leagues, and he's available like in every single league. The last game is the Wolves and the Blazers. Portland are five and a half point favorites. It's a back-to-back for Minnesota. Towns is out, and the see Little is out. We don't know about the artist formerly known as Torian Prince or Gary Payton, who could be in line to make his season debut. For Minnesota, we want to watch Jalen Noel, what his playing time looks like, how it compares to Geordie McLaughlin as well. And then Kyle Anderson, who struggled last game. We'll see what happens for him on Friday. I believe that he is a 12-team league guy still, despite those struggles. But you have to understand what you're getting with Anderson. You're not getting a guy who's going to drop in 18 points. He might have 10 points, but he might have seven rebounds, seven assists, two steals, and a block and hit two threes, which is so valuable in category leagues. But because he doesn't score huge points, it looks worse. And in a points league, his value is nowhere near as high. And I'd probably prefer Noel over Anderson personally in a points league. But in a category league, let's see Kyle get back to that 30-plus minutes. For the Blazers, it was pretty rough for Red last game. Got him, Red! Anthony Simons. And he has really struggled with Lillard in the lineup. Can we flip the script here? Can Simons start to do anything playing next to Damian Lillard? Because... Basically, every game in his career, that is a an oversimplification. It is a, a generalization. But the vast, vast majority of games that he plays next to Lillard, he's not very good. From a fantasy perspective, he's not good. Lillard goes out, best player in the world. When he plays with Lillard, it's a struggle. So let's see if we can flip that script. As for Lillard, he was great last game. Is he back? Can the calf stay healthy? Is it possibly a sell high if you're panicking about injuries? What is the sell high mark? I think... Yeah, I wouldn't want to sell Lillard for anything worse than a top 15 player. Because I honestly think he's going to be better than that as the season progresses. And he looked really good last game. In terms of back-to-back streaming, it's just the Bulls. So you're looking at Caruso, you're looking at Desumu, you're looking at Williams, looking at Green. You might look at Drummond, but it's only the Bulls players who are available. If you're looking to stream on Saturday, I like Denny Avdia. I wrote Alec. I don't know why. It's Alex Caruso, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Dorian Finney-Smith, the hyphen boys, Josh Richardson, Dante DiVincenzo, the Bronco Jalen Williams, and Kavon Looney. For deeper leagues, these guys are available in tons of spots. It's Josh Richardson, DiVincenzo, Johnny Kaminga, Victor Oladipo and his 20-minute poor efficiency games, Jordan McLaughlin. I might even put him into 12s. Doug McDermott for threes, Dwight Powell, and Lamar Stevens could also be a deep league guy because I think he's going to start with Dean Wade out. Now, he's not a good producer, but there is value there. And in points leagues, these players are all available in 50% of leagues or more. 
Avdia. I think he's a really good ad for now. Kyle Anderson. Yep, less interesting in points than categories for sure, but he's an ad here. Marcus Morris. I don't love him long-term, but it's good enough to stream him. Caleb Martin. Jeremiah Robinson-Earl. Alexei Pokyshevsky. Jalen Noel. And John Kaminga. Over the next five days, the low-volume games. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday are all low-volume days. We've got four streaming games in a row. Wednesday is not. What is really interesting to see at the top of those lists for players on low-volume days is the Celtics, starting Saturday against the Warriors, play three games in four nights. So they play Saturday, then they play Monday, Tuesday. And you know what's going to happen Tuesday? Al Horford's back-to-back spasms are going to flare up, if he's even available because of COVID. But what that means is that the value of Grant Williams and Derek White, who I don't like long-term this season, I don't think they maintain 12-team roster ability. You've got three low-volume games for these guys in the next four days. Meaning having these players and throw in a Brogdon and deeper leagues, throw in a Cornet, one ad, three games. Everyone else over the next five days has two quality games we're looking at. Kyle Anderson, Monte Morris, Caleb Martin, Denny Avdia, Malik Monk, Alexei Pokashevsky. Good value in them. And if we just look at the next five days, including Wednesday, those first two guys, I think, are top 100 players on a per-game basis. So if you have them, you'll start them, even if it's a high-volume day. And that is Kyle Anderson and Marco Fultz. And I'm feeling less confident about Marco Fultz after last game, but I still think he's worth having. The other guys all have three games over the next five days. Some of them, or at least one of those games is on the Wednesday, which makes them a little bit iffy to use, but otherwise there's value. It's Avdia, Caleb Martin, Malik Monk, Alexei Pokyshevsky, Jeremiah Robinson-Earl, and Andrew Nempard. All of those guys are available in over 40% of Yahoo leagues, and I think they probably should be on rosters with a favorable schedule in the next five days. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, why don't you thumb it up? Why don't you leave your comments down below? Subscribe, ring the bell. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.